This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Coleman. Joining me right now is Yana Shanaeus and our very special guest, Richard Buxton, returning to talk about Liverpool. He's from Quick Liverpool. This is our preview of the upcoming match for Fulham at Craven Cottage against Liverpool. We have a lot to talk about, but before we do anything else, I want to welcome back Giannis to the show, my co-host. Giannis, how are you doing? I'm superb. We've got a big game up against Liverpool Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. I am very much looking forward to it as well, and we're going to be talking about it in the next 45 minutes. Richard, I just spoke to you. What's great about Richard is Richard knows so many teams, and Richard can talk about Everton, and it was great to have him on and talk about Everton, but he's a Liverpool supporter, so we have to have him back on to talk about Liverpool. Richard, how are you doing? Go, thanks. Glad to be back on. Well, listen, let's let's get going. Let's not waste any time. Let's talk about Liverpool. And um, let's start here because I, I was thinking about this. Let's talk about Liverpool winning the title last year and what that meant to Liverpool and how that maybe has affected this season. Let's talk about them actually winning the Premier League title. Yeah, I mean, I think when they won the title, I think it, it sort of released a lot of demons, exercised a lot of ghosts sort of thing because, you know, 30 years without winning a title, it's been an albatross around their neck, around successive managers, successive players. I mean, even as you know, with, with, with Fenway Sports being the owners, yeah. they've had to carry that burden for the best part of 10 years. So the sort of the release was almost cathartic in terms of, obviously, them finally getting over the line, even though in the circumstances they couldn't um, celebrate with the fans' presence and, and whatnot. But uh, in terms of what it's done to them this season, I think it's probably intensified the hunger. But obviously, on the back of that, we can't really go full pelt uh, in games because of the way the pandemic has affected players. Right. Injury rates, players get, I mean, Liverpool have had more COVID infections than most Premier League teams. I think on Newcastle probably have had more in, in, in this season alone. So they've had to deal with that. Obviously, losing Pedro Van Dijk has been big. They've had in other yes. areas. Alisson is, is having a slight problem at the moment. Um, Jordan Henderson's had, had a few problems. And then obviously now, I mean, they've had more jolly sidelines which allowed Diego Jota to, to come into the fray. Um, so we've come with it pretty well. Um, uh, probably better than most expected, really, because I think we all expected them to sort of 
crumble under the pressure. I mean, Liverpool do have a historic propensity to. Obviously, it's not compatible to winning the title, but they've always gone close one season, and the follow-up has been a complete disaster. Like falling out of the top four, reckoning manager loses his job a year later, sort of thing. So, you know, that sort of you know after the more show sort of effects hasn't really affected Liverpool yet. And I think they've handled it really well, considering everything that's happened. Okay, very good. All right. Well, let's talk about the season so far. What's interesting is that uh, we have these really nice victories and then you have Aston Villa. You know, it, it's just, it's very strange. So let's talk about what's happened so far this season for Liverpool. I think probably the Aston Villa game was a, a strange one because obviously Thiago Alcantara is one of their big signings, you know, £25 million from Bayern Munich and was expected to sort of raise the bar for them um, in midfield in terms of how they control games and take games. Um, being diagnosed with COVID, obviously ruled them out of that game. And um, on the back of that, um, Liverpool basically just fell apart. It was almost like, yeah. a, like an open season. And, and what Jürgen Klopp is probably quick to point out when everyone says about, well, how are you going to cope with Virgil van Dijk? He says, well, we lost 7-2 with Virgil van Dijk in defence. So it was really, you know, that counts for nothing. Um, I do think that the injuries have probably galvanised Liverpool's sort of mentality and sort of, I mean, they had a strong mentality anyway, let's call Right. Or the bush, but I think it's re- reinforced the steel and, and, and probably made them a little bit more conscious of dropping off in games. It's very rare that you see them drop off, and I think Villa's the only team who, who in the Premier League at least, have, have actually managed to, to put one over on them. So, you know, they've clearly learned from the setbacks and handled the setbacks really well. And I think it helps that having some academy players come in is really, you know, let them bridge the gap because these players weren't really thought of as being ready-made for the Premier League, ready-made for frontline experience on the regular. You know, it was always like Carabao Cup, FA Cup, third round size. Nothing really too, um, I wouldn't say exhaustive, but obviously, you know, they've had to put Kieran Keller in third goal the last few games. They've had to have Nico Williams, Reece Williams, Nat Phillips, uh, and obviously Curtis Jones stepping up uh, in the past few weeks. So yeah. I think it just shows the, de- the strength and depth they've got at all levels, not just the, the sort of peripheral squad players, but also in the academy. So I think that helps. Okay, right back to you, because, uh, again, this is going to be something that we'll talk about later on when we break down this match. Talk about the supporters returning to Anfield and what type of boost that gave Liverpool, because, again, I saw what they did against Leicester City, but, again, they destroyed Wolves. How much of an impact? I know it's a small number, but, um, again, uh, I saw the you know I saw the beginning of the match, and it, it seemed pretty powerful. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I was actually at the game on Sunday at Anfield okay. covering it, and um, it was strange seeing supporters back in the ground after nearly nine months. And but I mean, I know people say it's a small number, but even in a big stadium like Anfield, fifty-three thousand capacity at the moment, that noise carries because they were all on the clock in the main stand, and you could really tell. And, and I think you knew something was going to be happening special uh, in a way. Um, when they came out, the roar was, was I mean, not quite 54,000 back shoulder to shoulder. But obviously, the noise carried. And I think that probably gave the team a bit of a lift because they've, they've gone through games where they've been quite comfortable but never really emphatic. I mean, I think you look at the Ajax game in midweek uh, before the fan percent last week. That was a, a, a clear indicator. And obviously, they've, you know, they've had games where they've lost in the Champions League and, and games where they've not been at the best. Whereas I think, they, they almost put on a show for the fans, and I think that was it was massive for the supporters being back. It were allowed to go in because, as you say, 
it was a limited number, but obviously I think it bounced off the players a little bit as well. And I think they were a bit more, I wouldn't say at it, but I think they, they were more determined to sort of show the sport and what they missed since, since Minute March and since obviously winning the title. Okay, very good. Yeah, it's over to you. I, w- I want to get your thoughts about Liverpool's season so far. And also, because we'll talk about this a little bit later, the supporters returning. And um, I think that's going to have a huge impact at Craven Cottage. But what, what are your thoughts about what Richard just shared about Liverpool's season so far? Well, they're, they're stacked. I, I, I was thinking, uh, growing up, watching Liverpool, uh, you think of, you know, Shank- Shankly and Paisley and Fagan and Sunas, Dalgleish, Rafa and now Klopp, and I look back to their team, especially in the 80s, late 70s, 80s, they, they were just fantastic. They're fantastic to watch on a fantastic club. And Jürgen has done an absolutely magnificent job. Absolutely. And let's be honest, we, don't get, we didn't get promoted to play Man City or Chelsea. I mean, let, let's, I mean Man City, for me, don't have much of a history. They, re- they did and they did a bit of League Cup here, a bit of this, a bit of that, but... Nothing until, until... I know what you're saying. Season. I know where you're going yeah. on. And same with Chelsea, because those who remember the 70s and the 80s, yeah, a bit of, a, you know, a bit of an itsy-bitsy club. But, but Liverpool and Man United are the club reason why you want to play in the Premier League. Yeah. The chance to go to Anfield and play there or play them down here. And Liverpool side are just stacked really top to bottom. Um, just example, Callagher coming into playing net. You know, younger yeah. coming in doing the job. That's... Um, they can they can kill you with Firmino, then they can kill you with Salah, they can kill you with Mane, um, and now they can kill you with Jota, and they might as well kill you with every, everybody else. <laughs> and they're both they're a super sight to watch, and they're entertaining. And yep. it, to me, this is about our biggest game of the season to date because the reason we want to be in the Premier League is to play teams like Liverpool. So okay. they've done brilliantly, and um, they're they're entertaining and fun to watch and. And Richard was right. For 30 years, they've had to put up with uh, Sir Alex and all these little minions over at Old Trafford, um, talking about how many titles they won. So it was good to shut them up um, <laughs> and see Gary Neville moaning and groaning like a little four-year-old. Um, <laughs> Liverpool were champions last year, and they would deserve yep. champions. Absolutely. I really, I really would be surprised if they don't win it again this year. Okay, great stuff. And uh, Richard, I want to go back to you because... Yanis already mentioned Klopp, and I'm curious about this because when I talked to a gentleman who covers Man City, I was asking him about, well, the challenge for Pep Guardiola. So I'm going to ask you again from a Klopp point of view, the challenges because he's now won everything, you know, uh, and I'm assuming he's still super motivated at Liverpool. Liverpool has become his club. What are your thoughts about the challenges ahead for Jurgen Klopp and, uh, you know, is he up for a long tenure at Liverpool? I'm curious your view on this because I, I don't have any insight. I thought maybe you could give us some insight. Do you see him being at Liverpool for a long time? I think he'll be here the length of his contract. I think his contract runs up, I think it's about 2023, uh, 2024 okay. maybe. So, and I think, he, you know, that'll be the longest stage out of any club. He'll be seven years at Mainz, seven years at Borussia Dortmund. Um, and then, you know, Liverpool getting him when they did in 2015, where they were. You know, they were, they were an established Premier League side, no question, but an established football team, they were not. They were inconsistent. You know, you'd have a year in the Champions League, then you'd have a couple of years in the Europa League, then you'd go back in the Champions League, then you'd go back to the Europa League, then you'd have no European football, and you'd have a title challenge more often than not. Um, so getting caught in when they did was a massive coup, considering where the club was left by Brendan Rodgers at the time, 
Um, in terms of what he wants to build, what legacy he wants to leave, I think he wants to win everything again. Won every major trophy in elite level football. You know, I mean, you can't get bigger than the Champions League, the Premier League, the FIFA World Cup. For whatever anyone says about yeah. the Cup World Cup, it's still a major trophy. You know, how many teams wear it as a badge of honour on the chest and draw You know, with Bayern Munich winning it um, later this month or whenever it's played. I'm sure they're aware it's a badge of honour. You know, it's, it's a trophy which means a lot to clubs. Sure. Are well champions. And obviously, yeah, that's the Super Cup. So, you know, I think he'll want to go again and try and win the title, which he's, he's looking like he will do, as you kind of said. Um, I think he'll want to go at the Champions League again. I think he'll probably want to win a couple of FA Cups. Similar sort of to the, the Bob Paisley legacy. If you look at how people talk about Bob Paisley's legacy at Liverpool, and, you know, he was always held up as a most successful Liverpool manager all the time. That was uh, that was something that always sticks out. Everyone goes on about Bill Shankly being the greatest because of what he did to start a Liverpool. But Paisley's the benchmark for success. You know, if you can win as many trophies as Bob Paisley did, which is probably going to happen in Bob tenure because he's had five years to build up to this moment because he was he was in headers in a team that wasn't at its peak like Paisley in headers from Shankly. It was a team that really needed a, a good kick at the backside, really. So, you know, I think a couple of league titles probably still forthcoming. Um, I think probably maybe one or two, uh, probably one, depending on how, how big the competition is. But when you look at that draw, they're probably going to fancy the chance. So I think he'll want to leave a good legacy. But, you know, his legacy is already being cemented by being the man who's delivered Liverpool's first Premier League title in 30 years. I mean, you know, anything that comes after that, I don't think it's really going to compare in terms of the enormity, you know, the, the legacy, the, um, the, you know, how classic it was. So, I think his legacy is already pretty much sealed, but I think he will, based on the way he is, on his persona. He'll want to go for more, and I think he will go for more. Okay, very interesting stuff on Jurgen Klopp. Back over to you, Giannis. Your thoughts on what Richard just shared? Yeah, be, yeah I think he'll run to 2023, and then he can pick any bloody job he wants, right? He can, he's, uh, I could actually see him going to... I mean, he could go to Spain. To me, he's a much better manager than Zidane. I mean, that's going down the line, but, you know, it's... Um, I think Klopp is somebody who's really had to earn his... You know, he's really had to earn his take. Um, you know, the amount of trophies you win is one thing, but it's how you win them as well. That's why right. I laugh at Celtic, for example, the Neil Lennon situation. <laughs> like, you know, for for the last five years, you've had one club and a bunch of donkeys because Rangers got relegated to the bottom division at the May, and he's won so many trophies. Well, Klopp didn't have that luxury and he's had success wherever he's gone. He's obviously got the respect of the players. He's got the respect of the fans. He's had it wherever he's gone. Um, Dortmund lamented that when he left with, left Germany and he can sign his own paycheck when he leaves. He could, I, could, I fancy him going to Spain, maybe Italy. But I mean, his, he might even think of, you know, Joachim Lowe's contract is up in, I think, a year or two. Maybe he'd go back to German, go to the German national team. But he's, he's, he's earned... The label of legend uh, at Anfield forever because of what he's done. He's up there with the greats, and um, and he's um, he's difficult to dislike. You know, as a, as a, he really is. He's, totally agree with that. Yeah, he's, I'm uh, a big fan of Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, that. I think that, that Richard. I think it's been a perfect marriage between a club and a manager. You know, I remember when that all went down, and I'm thinking this makes sense. You know, nothing against Brendan Rodgers, but Klopp. To Liverpool always made sense to me. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it, it was a bit married. I mean, you look at the other names who were in the run at the time, one with Carl Ancelotti, who's now across the park at Everton, um, and it's given fairly well, obviously, he's had a few bumps in the road, but he was a, a real pedigree manager, but obviously, 
with Ancelotti, there was this perception before he went to Everton that he was a checkbook manager. And, you know, how you can have to have £30 million players in all departments. Um, so, and then the other one was uh, a lesser remembered one. I don't know if you know the fellow Frank DeVore came onto these shores not long ago, disappeared yep. pretty quickly. So, you know, it wasn't really a real, it wasn't, you know, blessed with contenders. And that shows where Liverpool were. It was only the fact that, you know, Ancelotti obviously being quite traditional, like the local Liverpool. Um, but getting Klopp was obviously always the aim. And I think fa- the fans believed it was going to be possible, whether it was. I mean, you know, York, I mean, I, I hate to speak out on a phone podcast of this one, but you back to Roy Hodgson in 2010. You know, there was a local fans believing that Manuel Pellegrini was going to be coming in because that was sort of, it was between him and, and Hodgson and Hodgson got, got the, the nod and well, we all know what happened next. But, um, I think Liverpool and, and Klopp is, is a marriage made in heaven, and I think when he does move on, I think he will. As, as Giannis says, it probably will be the Germany job. I think he's got his eyes on that long term, and I think he will be similar to Vincente Del Bosque with Spain. He'll go in there and he will win everything. He'll win the Euro, <laughs> European Championships, he'll win the World Cup, he'll probably win the Nations League. He'll just win everything because it's that, that's his mentality, and he's got the yeah. idea to, to make a team tick. I mean, not, not every, every team responds to it. I think Jürgen Dortmund had. I mean, the, the best success outside the Bundesliga was losing to Bayern in the 2013 Champions League final. So, you know, it doesn't always work at the highest level. Right. But I think with these players, he's got a Liverpool, the tailor made for him. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is, as you say, it is a perfect match. Okay, very good. Okay, we are talking about Klopp. It's funny because we are going to be talking about the defensive injuries, but I want to share this with you. This is from my friend in Spain, Steve Reynolds. One for Richard is Klopp's complaint about injuries justified given he seems to be alone, etc. What, what are your thoughts on that? It's an interesting moment because Klopp's gone on a sort of one-man crusade against against everything in football at the moment. He's had to go broadcast. He's had to go about kickoff times, about how many games he has to play. You know, he, he sort of he seems to be a lone voice in this, and and that does have some some roots. I've got to say, you know, he's, he's not he's not speaking from a position of uh, of you know of irrational. He's he's just He's trying to protect his club and he's trying to protect his players. And, you know, he's, he's also saying, I want to protect the football as a whole because he has made the point about, you know, overkilling games. He was, I when I was about to last year, I remember quite vividly before Christmas, he was saying about, you know, we need to have a meeting and talk this out because this, this can't continue. Players are going to get injured. Teams are going to be, you know, the quality dilution is going to be so great that someone's going to have to front up. And, and he can see this from his position. And yeah, it is, and it is partially self-serving as a Liverpool manager. And, that does get a lot of people backed up. And, and there is, you know, people do point out, well, hang on, if you're so concerned about um, injuries and fatigue and whatnot, why did you play in a full-term team against Midtjylland uh, in, a, in a Champions League dead rubber uh, last night on Wednesday? So, yeah. you know, I mean, I understand why he did it. He wanted to go out and, and, and you know, basically get Liverpool's biggest Champions League group to his point, Sally. But, you know, the trade-off is you can't complain about this sort of thing when you're playing your full team, but right. the intensity is that we will go for everything. And he, he can't understand how, you know, <laughs> they're going to, you know, injuries do take the toll. Things yeah. like in, the, in this in this season, things do happen that, are, that can't be explained. You know, why broadcasts put teams on with less than 48 to two hours between games? You know, we can, I, I understand where he comes from on that. But at the same time, you know, if you are going to play a full-time team, there are going to be people who are going to criticise that. So, it's a bit of a mixed bag, really. I think he's, he's right in what he says, but at the same time, if you do play a strong team in a, in a, in a nothing game, essentially, I mean, you look at Manchester City, 
Yep. They didn't play a full strength team and they still ran out three 0 winners against uh, Marseille. So it can be done. You got the players of a plus quality, which he clearly has. So I think he, he's picked his battles quite well, but I think probably people are going to be turning around and saying, hang on, you're a bit of a hypocrite because you're clearly not taking it seriously. So you go and pull out things. But, you know, I mean, that's a thing. He's one of those people that, as Janice says, few people find it hard to dislike him, but, you know, there are a lot, you know, Man City, Everton, United. <laughs> Fans, maybe I don't, I don't, you know, there is a, there is a grammar list of people who don't like club, and you can see why. Yeah, Giannis will appreciate this. He has a lot of Belichick in him, Giannis, to be honest with you, and uh, th- there's no question about that. And he says his piece, he he uh, definitely is not afraid to uh, say what he thinks. But let's talk a little bit about this. I want to get both of your thoughts on this because now we're going to really switch to really focus on the match itself. and it's hard not to notice the defensive injuries, Richard. So let's start here. Let's talk about that because I was just on a, another podcast who interviewed me. We were talking about the center back situation, which is uh, very interesting, especially with Fabinho back there. So what are your thoughts about the injuries and how Liverpool have handled it? Very well, actually. I think you look at, I mean, when Benjamin Van Dijk went out to that Minnesota derby, um, from an unfortunate challenge, it's got to be said. I know people are trying to frame it as an assault and whatever else, but it was just an unfortunate challenge by Jordan Pickford. So, I mean, let's just yeah. leave that one out there. But, I mean, Liverpool have really, really well. I've got to say, considering they, they lost Van Dijk for potentially most of the season. I think his rehab started um, last week um, or earlier this week, I think it was. So, I think he's on his way back um, quicker than expected. But, you know, in the interim, I think people have stepped up really well. As, as well, when you look at Trent Alexander-Arnold went out, uh, Joel Matip's um, fitness issues aren't consistent enough to be, you know, starting every game. You know, the players who stepped in, you look at, I mean, I was quite impressed with uh, Nat Phillips when he played against West Ham United. He looked really good. And, you know, he went out to um, went out to the Bundesliga on loan for the second half of last season. And you can tell it's, it's definitely helped him. Uh, Nico Williams stepped in for Trent Alexander-Arnold um, at the weekend. And, and, and he looks a decent um, right-back and. You know, if, if if Trent wasn't there, I think he probably would be in contention for a regular run of games. And it's just unfortunate that it had to be an injury to send the, the sort of force that in. Um, but, you know, I mean, it only seems to be around the sort of the central and right side. I mean, they've been very fortunate with Andy Robertson that he hasn't really picked up any injuries. And, you know, they've got this um, Greek left-back, Costas Simicus, who's uh, who's not really had a, really a full run out yet. And he probably would have done if, um, if Robertson had been out there you know, more than a couple of days. So I think it's gone quite well because it does seem to just be the central pairing. But obviously, as you say, Fabinho being in there and when Matt is fit and he's being managed quite carefully by the medical team, it seems to work out quite well at the moment. Okay, very good. Yeah, as we look forward to this match, I'm curious your view on how they've been, obviously, according to Richard, they've been handling their defensive injuries well, but would this be an opportunity for Fulham you know, again, we'll we'll talk about how you think Scott's going to play this because which style is he going to go against Liverpool? But do you think that he's going to look at the defensive injuries as an opportunity? I'm curious your view on this for Fulham. Well, it makes sense if we had some strikers to hurt them. I'm not sure how we're going to do it. That's... Because if you go, uh, I mean, who's going to hurt them? I mean, even Cavalier is not no. even hurt. He's not even hurt Billy the Badger <laughs> if he was on the field. So that's no good. Um, Mitro. Well, if Mitro plays, this is going to be interesting because if Mitro plays, there's really an argument for Kenny yes, Tetti to yes. start. Yes, we'll right talk about that because I want to get your starting fit. 11 in just a bit. 
But the only Correct. way we can hurt Liverpool is on the break. And, and Right, and I think that's the conundrum with this. We'll that. talk we, about that. But, you know, again, this will come down to huge decisions by Scott Parker, and that's why I was ask, wanted to ask you about the defensive injuries. Does this get into Parker's mind about, well, how do I set up against Liverpool because of what they're dealing with? But if Gordon to Richard, they're dealing with it fairly well. Well, I think that having a two thousand yep. fans is going to help us because we've basically because obviously we've got the development development on the on the, the Thames side. Um, fans are very excited yep. about going back, and we've played well in the last couple of games. We found some sort of rhythm and shape, and uh, I don't think Scotty will be daunted by this game. This is a game Absolutely. on paper we should lose ten times out of ten. But if we have the right system and, and not don't let in a daft goal like we did last week early on, then um, we may ask some questions of them. If it, I mean, we can't attack them at That's right. because they'll kill us on the break. I mean, we've got no chance. But if we can try and keep it tight and, and see if Klopp can revert to plan B, that'll probably bring, mean bringing Jota on, in which case we're really screwed. <laughs> so, yeah. That's quite the plan um, B. A point, a point, getting a point for us would be a tremendous result. Totally agree. The, I'm really curious to see. There's one player that I am curious to see how he's going to do against Liverpool, and that's going to be um, Anguissa. I was just – you read my mind, Giannis. Yeah, you absolutely read game. my mind because I think he's going to be a key to this match. But I'm glad that we talked a little bit about this with Richard at Anfield, and you've already brought this up. I just want to talk a little bit more about this because how much of an impact – I think the Fulham supporters return to Craven Cottage is going to have a massive impact. I know it's a small number. But like at Anfield, I think it could really help Fulham in, in this match playing the champions. Yeah, I mean, the, the Liverpool's first game was their first since becoming champions at Anfield uh, in front of fans. And the same for us, first game since, um, should we not forget, the Brent Fodder game. So it's going to be exciting. And if you look at say, Twitter and Facebook, the, the, the fans that got the lottery tickets are yep. really, really excited. There'll be some tears, I think. At oh, the I, absolutely. Sure to be back. And they're going to be really excited. And... What better game to have than Liverpool? It couldn't be. A, there isn't a better game you can have. So it's going to be it's a great a point. Lot, a lot of fun, and um, the, I mean, Scotty's going to he's got to put a game plan together. He's going to look at their lineup and go, oh, Jesus, where, where do we start? Well, it's going to be a tough one, and that, that's something that I want to hit on with you in just a bit because, as I mentioned before, I was on the Anfield Index Pro, and we were talking about the two different sides of form. Which one will Scott Parker show, and that's what we'll talk about in just a bit. But, Richard, I want to go back to you because I had you on for the Everton match. So I want to get your thoughts on Fulham. Again, it's been a few matches since then. They, you know, did not play that badly against Everton. I, Everton got off to the fast start. We talked about this, and that was my fear that Everton would get off to the fast start. But they rallied in the in the second half. And then, of course, we have the victory against Leicester City and then Man City's Man City. But – I've seen some things from Fulham. I'm curious your view on what you saw from Fulham from the Everton match. Maybe you caught the Leicester City match. Yeah, they look, they look like there are shoes of improvement there. As you say, you know, we rallied in the second half against, uh, against Everton. I think Everton left themselves quite open, which, which helped. But you, know, you can't deny the quality of, you know, of the goals. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, they were coming up against a wing-back system. Breaking that down is quite a tough. I know it, it seemed like it's the more open Um System, but it's actually a lot harder to break down, as especially when someone is masterful with it. As Colin Jossie is, you know, a defensive mastermind, really. Um, so I think Fulham did 
pretty well, all things considered. I think it probably the scoreline probably is a fair reflection, really. And I think Everton did well to hold on, considering because you know it, it was a tough game. And, and I said the last game was was a sign that things might be on on the up, and and then obviously straight into into Man City, which is it's Man City. Isn't it? I mean, I, I watched that game and I thought. You, you can't take away how brilliant City are, even when they've lost the title last year. And, and you know, they're having a bit of a slow start to, to mount a challenge for this one. It's still a class act. I mean, you look at the Bruyne, absolutely incredible. So, you know, to, even even with, with, with a score on like that, you can mitigate for it. So I think, I, I mean, I, 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 as Janice says, I think, you know, you've got, to, you've got to have a hope against Liverpool. But I think it, it's a very, very slim one, isn't it, because of, of the quality they have and how ruthless they are and how quick they are on the counter and, and how you can all off defenders I think that's probably you know the one thing you have to worry about for Sunday but I mean as a whole I think since before the Everton game things didn't look great and then you know I mean you look at the table now I mean Sheffield United have rock bottom of it so it just shows how quickly yeah. they've been evolving and especially in a season like this which is so unpredictable yeah very good point there Richard alright right back to you so how does Liverpool beat Fulham just Game plan, how Klopp is going to approach this. I'm sure he's just going to approach it how he normally does. But how do you feel that Liverpool, what do Liverpool need to do to come to Craven College and get all three points? Turn up is probably, probably a, a bit of a, a blunt assessment, but I think they have the quality. I think yep. to the game plan, I think that will be enough. And I think if you stick to the 4 3 3, I think that will work. I mean, I know Klopp did experiment with. Trying to play all of his four main attackers, Mane, Salah, Firmino, Jota. It wasn't really that fluid, even though he won the game. Um, so, I mean, that, that was a recent instance of, you know, when Tinkering does have a plus experiment with, with formation. But I think the strand tested 4 3 3 seems to work. Yep. And I think it's fits it out. And I think it's just wet. Which, which of the three gives a run out? Um, obviously, Salah played midweek, Mane plays, you know. Um, I think, I mean, I'd, I'd be inclined to give Jota a run out. I mean, he rested him against Wolves last Sunday. Yep. So I'd be inclined to sort of put him back in there. I mean, I'd expect a few, possibly Salah, on the basis that he plays uh, against Mitchellans. And, 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 you know, it might be good to have a bit of alternation. I mean, I'll be sad when he'll, he'll take Manny out and put Jota in. It'll be sad when he takes Firmino and puts Jota in. Um, and that was a big talking point a few weeks ago, was about does Jota get in ahead of Firmino? Um and obviously that 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 debate we shut down my copy said they're both important for me. You know, it's still, you know, the grand conductor who plays twelve different instruments, he does so many things. Um and so I think it's he's just got to alternate his front line really. Um and maybe in midfield. I mean, he's been favouring Curtis Jones alongside Genie Wijnaldum and Jordan Henderson quite a bit at the moment, which is cool because, you know, the more experience you get, the more confident you get you get, and the more the more you can sort of fill this mantle that gets things on a lot of Liverpool players up. You're going to be the next Steven Gerrard. You're going to be the next Robbie Fowler. Yep. You're going to be the next Mike Lowen. You're going to be the next Steven Manaman. You know, those sorts of, when a local lad comes through, the pressure does burn. And especially someone like Jones, who's got the number 17 Gerrard, the Gerrard first war in the, the local first team. Now, I think he's he's handled it remarkably well. He's come up with a few important goals as we saw in the Champions League against Ajax. So I think he might go with Jones again to give him that more, that added confidence. Or he might bring Naby Cater in, um, fitness permitting. Until Thiago Alcantara is back, there's not really going to be a real headache in Liverpool's midfield. Okay. It's either going to be Henderson, Wijnaldum, and one of either Jones or Peter. And then when Thiago comes in, and when Fabinho is back in the midfield, instead of being an auxiliary centre-back, that's when you're going to have to headache. That's when you're going to have to decide, is it Henderson or Wijnaldum alongside um, Thiago? Is it Fabinho or Keita alongside them? Or who you know who drops out? So 
At the moment, the streets are very straightforward, I think. Wow, just too many decisions, very good decisions for Liverpool that, again, just shows the quality that they have. But, Richard, I'm going to put you in the shoes of Scott Parker, and then I want to put Giannis in the shoes of Scott Parker. How does Fulham beat Liverpool? I know that's a daunting task, but you have to go in with the mentality that you can beat your opponent. So you're Scott Parker, and I I want your game plan against Liverpool. And then Giannis, I want you to think about it, and you give me your game plan. First to Richard. Park the bus and hope hope for something from that. I mean, it's it's, it's very archaic, it's very defeatist tactic, but I feel like that's the only way you're going to actually get to pronounce these Liverpool games because... They're so relentless, so powerful on the attack, especially when they're breaking the numbers. They cause you real problems. So I think, you know, quite a solid block is what we're going to be the way forward, really, for launching anything off the game. I don't think, I mean, football's a game anyway. You know, this season especially, anything yep. can happen. But I think the odds on form winning are probably quite uh, quite long at the moment. So I think to get a draw, even a, you know, a goalless draw, would be, would be progress. I think you can have to just be a stout defender throughout the game. You can have to just Park the bus, essentially, which is, is, is a bit of a... It's difficult for a, a manager like Scott Parker, who clearly believes in playing a certain way, but sometimes you have to just dig in and, and over yes. the best. Okay, very good. Okay. Giannis, over to you. You know, it's funny. But like I mentioned, I was just talking about this. Would it be Parker ball or would it be park the bus? And I actually agree with Richard. I know it's difficult because, again, there are going to be fans there. Our fans are there. They, they obviously would like to see Fulham attack. But I think you've already mentioned this. It's... It's a conundrum. It's dangerous. So you're Scott Parker. What do you do against Liverpool? Do you park the bus or do you try to play Parker ball? I phone the FA and see if they can get a referee as an Everton season <laughs> ticket holder. That'd be the first thing. And then the second thing, um, I would get somebody to remove the engine and the gearbox from the team bus up at Anfield. I mean, that's about all we've got. Okay. Actually, I don't, I don't think we're going to park the bus. Because uh, and, I, and I say this because we've got Brighton coming up, and he's got a couple of sulky poos sitting on the bench right now. And again, that's a conundrum too. What do you do? It's a conundrum. Exactly. What do you do with Kearney as well? Um, I think we should. I, I think we should go with a similar situation, similar setup as we did against Leicester and City. Against against Leicester, it, it worked did. to a T. Against City, we got done by a through ball, and I still maintain that ridiculous Sterling dive. Which, oh my, anyways. You know my thoughts on that well, one. But, Giannis, um, Giannis, it's funny because I want to bring that up. I'm glad that you talked about it just for a second. Raheem Sterling, I want to ask you about this because, again, I was thinking about this uh, in the lead-up to this match. And your Anderson, what is he supposed to do, Giannis? You know, if you just breathe on him, he's going to go down. What should he have done? I'm talking about our defender. What should he have done against Raheem Sterling? I'd have, I'd have done something after the fact. I'd have done something after the fact because to me that's that's embellishing and it's cheating. If he if he called it right, um, he gives a free kick the other way and he gives Sterling a yellow. There's been contact, but he's embellished it. It's, it's oh, there's no so question much, he embellished. There's no terrible. question it, it was yeah. simulation. There's no question about. Well, you know, again, as Steve Lidgett said to me, well, it's not simulation because there's contact. You know, you can't call right, it. Right. Yeah. You I can't think if I, if I'm playing uh, and I see that and I know what's happened. I wait for a few minutes after. I'm just thinking of, I'm actually going to go back to Liverpool, going back way back with Liverpool. But if there was any nonsense or argy-bargy or something out of line when Sooness was playing, Sooness would, Sooness would take care of it on the field. And so something like that, get one of the buggers to go, right, I'm going to get, get you, get a yellow card. And it sends a message, don't be pulling that stuff. 
because there's too much of it in the game. And, you know, Sterling's such a good player. Yeah, he's got a nice great, goal. Right? But that was just gar- just absolute garbage. And it gets, it gets the point. There were a point about the, the you know, Bobby Decadova read the, the penalty against Leicester. But he was going at full speed. And, he, and, and, and Fuchs caught him after he'd knocked the Bobby ball. Bobby wasn't so, diving. There's a Bobby difference. Wasn't diving. Bobby, and, right. Bobby was going forward. There was a difference. Right. I mean, so um, that would be something where I'd be policing it after the fact and going, oh, you little, not having it, none, none of that in this. You're a great player. Um, great Anderson player. couldn't have done it. Anderson couldn't have done anything. But they don't. Liverpool don't have players that are going to necessarily do that. The, the strikers they've got are, are um, the great players, but in different ways. Um, and they complement each other. And they complement each other. Absolutely. Um, I don't think just. I think play the same way as you did against Leicester and City. Um, you got. We've got enough pace on the break to give them a problem. See, that's just, what I think. Yeah, and just give it, I think, five-minute increments. I think you go, okay, first five-minute, don't concede okay. first ten, and then keep doing that, and then see if you're going to, if Klopp's going to adjust things, if he's going to start changing the formation. But to be honest, Scott is looking towards the Brighton game next week. <laughs> he's, he's, that's a big, that's a well, huge That's game. where we're going to get our points. And that's, yeah. listen, it, it, to be honest, but going back to your initial point, you want to play against Liverpool. Oh, God, you're yeah, in this yeah. league to play against Liverpool, so... He's going to want to win the match. He's going to want to play to win. But like you said, obviously there will also be an eye on Brighton. But I understand where you're going on this, Giannis. And and uh, it's just an interesting conundrum for Scott Park. And that's going to lead to talk about the starting 11. And uh, Richard, I think you pretty much gave your starting 11 or, or we're thinking about it. So give me your starting 11 for Liverpool. And then I'll get Giannis's where we can really dive into what Giannis thinks Scott Park is going to do. I think you know, the starting lineup from, from, the, from the top down, it's going to depend on Alisson Becker and if he's uh, available after that Hampton problem. You've got a, a brain of all places, um, which is funny, obviously, with you playing them next. Um, so if he doesn't um, if he doesn't fit in time, then probably Cleveland Keller, who's been the uh, the third choice goalkeeper, who should, in my opinion, be the second choice now because Adrian is just not oh, up no. to task. And, and, and Keller has shown in the past few games just how task he is. I mean, he's pulled up some incredible saves. Yeah. He's very commanding of his area. So if he got a nod, um, I think that would uh, that'd be a, a foregone conclusion. I don't think he's going to put Adrian in there, especially against, you know, Fulham, who will be hoping for a stroke of fortune or a lucky bounce or, you know, and to spill the ball for, for, for the strikers. So I think Keller is probably a safer pair of hands. If okay. So Allison will be in, I think. Uh, sorry, uh, Keller will be in instead of Allison. Uh, and if not, it'll be the other way around. Um, right back, Trent Alexander-Arnold is probably going to start. I think now he's got the Wolves game under his belt and obviously started against uh, Midtjylland. Um, I think he's probably back into contention. Okay. So, Matt, if, if there's no concerns as far as we know. I mean, Jaden Cox speaking on Friday, so we'll know more then. But there's no concern about Joe Massive. So, he'll be, he's being managed, so he'll be in there. Fabinho, Fabinho. Uh, back, and Andy Robertson is the, the left-back as, as pair. Okay. And then it's between, I think, it depends on what sort of game Klopp wants to play in terms of the midfield. I think they'll have control, but whether they want to have, you know, total control or have a bit. If he wants to go for creativity, it will be Curtis Jones. If he wants to go for total control, you know, be Keater, plus yep. Jordan Henderson, Gino and Alden Mirror, who are the two most important cogs on the field. And then the front three, I'd say, probably Mane, Firmino and Jose on the basis that Salah started again um, in midweek. And, and, and obviously, Jose missed out. Game, so okay, you take he'd be, he'd be in this. That would probably be my 11. 
Oh, that doesn't make me feel any better, honestly. Okay. <laughs> That's okay, Richard. All right, Giannis, what do you do? I'm curious, what would you do if you're a Scott Parker with this starting 11? You've already mentioned there are two huge decisions here. Do you play Kearney? Do you play Mitrovic? You know, again, you're talking about potentially trying to play them on the counter. So how does Mitro fit in? And then, like you said, you have an eye on the upcoming game against Brighton. Do you have to include them because you want them to feel like they are back in the fold, that it was just a tactical thing? So what do you do if you're Scott Parker to play against Liverpool? This is really an interesting situation he has in front of him. So what would you do? I think uh, I actually think that Kearney and Mitro will start Saturday. Okay. Um, uh, my lineup right now, um, we've got we've got our users. I'm having a, I'm having a senior moment. Do you say um, I'm, I'm yeah, Ariola's in that? Yeah, just Ariola's in that. Um, so we'll we'll got Ina and Ina and um, Ina and Robinsons the fullbacks. Okay. Anderson and the centre backs. Midfield, I think uh, you've got to go, obviously go Angie. So I think they'll go Harrison Reed, and I think it'll be Kearney, okay. which means that uh, Loftus Cheek comes out. Right. And then up front, uh, I, Lookman starts on the left, and Lookman's going to give them problems. Um, yeah, I agree with that. For sure. Uh, Bobby Dacre over Reed on the right, and Mitro up front. But the problem, the thing that would worry me about Mitro is what sort of service is he going to get? That's um, my, that's my in concern in this. If you include him, is he just going to be, you know, again, just by himself for the majority of that match? Yeah, and he's going to have to take on a, res- a def- defensive responsibility as well. I'm not sure that they go necessarily go in the, 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 the same sentence. Lamina doesn't start for me. Um, but I think this is a, a, a game where Scotty will, in the walkthrough, will say, now, look, this isn't a game we're expected to get anything out of. But let's just enjoy the occasion for no other reason. Well, two, really. Uh, that number one, we're playing Liverpool. Yep, we're not playing Man City, and number two, we've got um, we've got two thousand people, we've got two thousand fans who are going to be who, are not, who wouldn't have slept last night, that will be ecstatic, ecstatic. that we're I playing at home, and we're playing against the, the champions. So this is going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to be an, an occasion that we can really look forward to. Okay, and even if we go, I was at Anfield when we lost ten nothing in eighty six. <laughs> <laughs> standing in the cop. So it could never be as bad as that. Okay. But however bad it gets, it still won't be as bad as Brentford <laughs> playing in the Lego stadium down the, down the road. So as far as I'm concerned, it's all good. Okay. Okay, my friend. All right. I want to share this comment. This is from Ben Lawrence. I would go with Mitro, Mitro up front for this one and supply crosses to him. Adrian is poor with crosses, but as Richard said, he doesn't think that Adrian is going to play. But still, it's just an interesting thought, Giannis, because, again, what, what are your thoughts? You know, this goes back to, do you play Mitro? He, he's put on muscle since the last last season, but, I, but he's also put on weight. Callagher's going to play net. Yeah, for me. I agree Callagher's, with Richard on that. Yeah, Callagher's – and Liverpool are going to have a decision to make on him as well because um, – I mean, they could decide they're going to loan him out so they can play every game. Um, but I, I don't think they'll play Adrian. And, and we, can't, we can't hurt Liverpool unless we try them on the break. But right. on the break, we caused Leicester a lot of trouble. We certainly did. We really gave them all sorts of ructions. 
that has to be what we try and focus on. So we have to keep it tight. We've got players that can hurt Liverpool. It's just a matter of the opportunities. We're not going to get many. No. And we don't want to be playing behind the eight ball because if they get an early goal, oh, it, could, it could be a long afternoon. I totally agree with that. You know, it, if foam can hang in, you know, as we said against everything, it's in Liverpool is, is a different level, in my opinion. If they can hang in there for the, for the first half, you know, if, if it's nil-nil at the half, then we'll see what happens. But it just, it's a it's a difficult task. But I'm looking forward to it because, um, as you said, Giannis, at the beginning of the show, this is why you want to be in the Premier League. You want to play against Liverpool. You want to see how you can face up against the best. And in my opinion, this is the best. All right, Rick, Richard, give me your prediction for the match. I'll go to Giannis and I'll finish with my prediction. I'm going to say I don't think four men are getting much out of it. So I think probably being a Liverpool, based on the fact that that's been the sort of the routine scoreline when they've had a, a good a good game, as we saw against Wolves. Um, so I think probably three 0 Liverpool. Three 0 Liverpool. Okay, Giannis, what's your prediction? Two one Liverpool. Two one Liverpool. We're going to score. I think we're going to keep it tight. Um, I, I, Liverpool are super side, but hey. You rise to the occasion, and the players will have been reminded this week yep. how good Liverpool are. They're playing the champions, and uh, I'm expecting players to be up for this game. Um, I think we'll we'll get something out of it, but I don't think we'll get any points out of it. We'll be looking ahead to Brighton, but 2-1 to Liverpool. Okay, and before I make my prediction, this is a, a concern of mine, and I, I think they did this against Man City. They can't give Liverpool too much respect, Giannis. You, you can respect them, but you have to still play your game. You have to understand that, you know, they're your opponent and don't have too much respect for them. Do you agree with that? Yeah. One of, one of the most influential players I ever saw at Liverpool, actually, was and uh, Richard, I remember, um, was was um, Steve McMahon. Yep. Back in the 80s. And, and, and that's the sort of player, as soon as was a dirtier version, but a good player, though. Um, but Steve McMahon was really, it was a general, or Jan Moldy, although Jan, Jan wasn't, as, wasn't as quick, obviously. But McMahon really did, you know, he, he ran that midfield. And we sort of, we got Harrison Reed, but he's like a pint-sized version. I know. We need somebody to go in and clatter a couple of bodies early to send him out. It won't be Anguissa. As big no, as, it's as not going to be Anguissa. It would have to no. be Reed, and he's just he's just not. He's not. You know, big enough. Is Harry Archer available tomorrow? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, Harry Archer's not with form anymore. <laughs> but, um, okay. But, but, I mean, we need someone like that because I don't want to run us. Yeah. Okay, well. I'm going to go with my prediction, and I'm going to go with the same prediction I did against Man City, and that ended up being right. I'm not happy about it, but I'm going to say 2-0 to Liverpool. Richard could be right. It could be three. It could be more than that, but um, it's just going to be difficult. I just want to see Fulham give it their all for the supporters that are coming back. And uh, like you said, Giannis, it really is one eye on Brighton, but you have to rise to the occasion. You have to give it your best. And I'm – and I have a feeling that Fulham are going to do that. I just think that Liverpool are, are the champions for a reason, and they're going to show it. But stranger things have happened, so we'll see what happens. But anyways, Richard, before we go, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I really appreciate it. No problem. Cheers, guys. All right. And Giannis, as always, my friend, thank you for doing this with me. Always a pleasure. And uh, to Richard, make sure when you play manure, you give him a good stuffing. Nice. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Kaj Talk. For my very special guest, Richard Buxton from Quick Liverpool, and my co-host, my wonderful co-host, Janos Janais, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. 
you've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.